You're listening to the highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Jan Martel. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Art um, often comes out of a sense of discomfort uh, with the way things are. You're not comfortable with the way things are, and therefore you create something to deal with it. Art is a reaction to discomfort. Um, that's not always the case, but I suspect that someone who's completely happy will have less of a tendency to be a creator than someone who is somewhat uncomfortable with the world. So moving around, uh, changing schools, um, I guess maybe that is what uh, pushed me. But I remember I, I started writing, in my mind consciously, the reason I started writing uh, was because I needed to, perhaps the time, I was in my 20s, I was living in, Mont- in France, in Paris, uh, with my parents, uh, off my parents, and I was sort of waiting for my life to start, and um, yeah, I finished a BA in philosophy, which I love studying, but it didn't offer obvious uh, career prospects. Mm. So I was waiting for, you know, an urge to become a dentist to express itself in me, and while that urge was building up somehow, I thought, well, what am I going to do here? Why don't I start writing stories? And uh, I just did that sort of past the time. There was no I wasn't at all careerist. Um, the way younger writers maybe are more nowadays because they take creative writing and they think they can uh, make a career of it. I just literally used to pass the time. And it's one that it's, I try to keep un, um, unreflected in the sense that I think one of the, I mean, there's many... I, 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 writing here, but there's something, there's a danger in becoming too Mm self-conscious. If you study something too much, if your your approach becomes academic, there's a danger of losing that joyful spontaneity. Mm -hmm. That determines our style, that determines what we write about. You know, I write about things just because it's interesting to me. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no, it's just who I am, so I become interested in this, and I'll go. And even, uh, I find, um, one of the reasons I also became a writer, by the way, was precisely because of a sort of isolation that allowed me to be unself-conscious. So I started writing in English in Paris. Yeah. Um, so I did something in complete isolation. Because I was in complete isolation, it, it just became what it was because there was nothing to influence it. Obviously, all the books that I'd read, but don't talk. You interpret books how you want to. You misinterpret them how you want to. There was no human being, living human being, to influence me. And I sometimes worry with creative writing that you're getting people in their you know, late teens, early 20s, um, who are right away being made extremely self-conscious. And it can certainly improve their technique, but I wonder in terms of their native creativity, if that isn't, um, if you have a thousand voices uh, criticizing what you're doing, even if it's constructive criticism, I wonder if it doesn't uh, stop you. So it, in my uh, writing, uh, it's always been rooted on that sort of the joy of creation. So right now I'm working on a book set during the Trojan War. Oh. Um, and so I'm doing all kinds of research, you know, mm-hmm. reading Homer, obviously, but reading also about the epic cycle. I went to Troy a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I've been to Turkey before, but I've never been to Troy because it's such an un- unimpressive site, but I decided to go there just to sort of see the landscape. Uh, and all that research, like right now I'm, I'm reading, I'm researching ancient warfare. How exactly did the Mycenaeans fight? Homer got a lot of uh, things wrong because they're anachronisms. He was, uh, a lot of the armaments are from the 8th century rather than the 12th century. Um, so all that research I find just really interesting and it's nourishing my story, and it's developing from point of joy to point of joy. Mm. And, um, and you know, 
maybe a lot of writers do that, but and I had the luck that my points of joy have readers' points of joy. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that degree of sort of blindness is necessary for all writers, mm-hmm. but I've sort of cultivated slightly, uh, even where I live now in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which actually is a very literary province. A lot of writers come from here, but it's it's not, you know, it's not Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, so how... Uh, yeah, I thought it's a very interesting base, your uh, philosophical base that you could have. I mean, it's it's deeply concerned with language, but uh, enough that you don't have to apply. You weren't um, pressurized to be academic about your joy. No, no, I I don't find that. Um, listen, there's, I've been reading academic texts in my research, and I really yeah. appreciate them, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know too many writers who have PhDs. Mm-hmm. There's great strengths in having a PhD, obviously. They're you know, extremely intelligent. But that kind of <coughs> logical um, intelligence isn't necessarily the only kind of intelligence you need to be a writer. So most writers I know, uh, you know, uh, you know might have masters, mm-hmm. uh, but no more than that. It's just a different kind of intelligence that you cultivate, I think, when you're a writer mm-hmm. than when you're an academic. Now, they kind of feed each other, obviously. I mean, they, they both are rooted in the word, but the approaches are quite different. So I, I, I often go to the university library here in, in Saskatoon at the University of Saskatchewan to get books out. Um, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I feed off it, and academia obviously feeds off uh, creativity too, of course, and not only English departments, but other departments feed off creativity. Um, but you don't want to mistake the two. You don't want to mistake. You, you, I don't think you can, you can study academically creativity to then yourself use it as a tool to be creative. I think there are, there are limits to, to that. But, you know, that's my opinion. Other people might have PhDs and and feel they're they're totally creative. So it's just my particular path has been more to rely on books. And I said that's that spontaneous joy in getting things on the page. What's nice about a novel is that it's sort of, it's a whole experience. It's both, has rational elements. You cannot have an all. I mean, even the fundaments of language require logic. You know, grammar has a certain logic, spelling. Um, you know, th- th- there are some things that uh, are, are logical and rule-based and uh, others that aren't. And so there's something that, what's not great about art, and not just literature, visual arts, music, it's kind of a whole person experience. It calls upon your rationality, but also your emotions. So a, a great work of art, I think that's why they're so striking, because it's sort of life itself being reflected at us. You read that in the great, you know, the great novels, you know, the great Russian novels, uh, they're breathtaking because you, you, you sort of you feel like a, a god who's glimpsing at a planet. You, you, you see all existence expressed. So it's incredibly powerful. That's why it's so intoxicating to, to try to do that. Is uh, You become like a small god constructing a planet. You're constructing Eden. You're constructing a world. Um, it's, it's really thrilling. And that's the same thing I think, with all kinds of creativities, too. You're cooking a cake. There's an element of creativity there from various disparate elements. You, you create something, a cake. There's something that is joined that, but it, I think at its best, it's expressed in, 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 in art. Because really, to contradict Lear, you are making something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a joy to, to do that, and it's a joy to receive that. When you see a, a wild animal in its environment, it can be a profoundly moving experience. I had that, I went to, went to the Galapagos Islands and I, years ago. And uh, it was it was it was extraordinary. Uh, so I started using animals because they still are a source of wonder, and they sh- and that is is a quality that they share with gods. 
people are religious and see their god they're filled with wonder if you see an animal in the wild you can be filled with wonder so I, I, I think there's a connection that there's a mystery in animals there can be no mystery in some of us we look at each other and we see no mystery if you look in the eyes of let's say of a gorilla or even if you look in the eyes of your pet dog you don't know what it's thinking you can kind of guess with your pet dog it wants approval it's, it's a herd animal it wants you're the alpha male the alpha female it wants your approval and then it'll just sit down and basically do nothing um but other animals, you just wonder, how do they operate? What are they here for? I look at animals, and, and I ask myself philosophical questions. What is the meaning of life? Mm. You know, what is the meaning of life of a parrot? Why is a parrot out there? Um, and so, it, it, to me, they, they make you ask these questions. So they're a useful vehicle in fiction to ask these questions. And um, so it is the disguise. I use it as a tool to inquire. But the fact that animals really truly exist also means they're profoundly non-fictional. I just find them very, very wealthy. Now, in this latest um, uh, novel, the Trojan, the Trojan War one, I won't be using animals in quite the way I've used in Life of Pi and in Beatrice and Virgil and in uh, even the high mountains of Portugal. Writers, books became my teacher. Now, I never thought I could, you know, the, you, going back to my earlier questions of how I became a writer, I didn't think of it as a career because the link between me, a 20-year-old, some nobody, and books on a shelf, that the, the link seemed unimaginable. Um, it became imaginable as I kept on, kept on writing, scribbling away. Um, but books were my teachers. I mean, one of the great re- things that I read in my life was Dante's Divine Comedy, uh, was the Decameron uh, by Boccaccio, um, the Odyssey, uh, the Iliad. These books were also my teachers. Uh, but I did have, yeah, I have the luck of having good teachers, and uh, that's why another thing attracted me to India is the system of the guru in, in Hinduism. In Hinduism, the guru is a key feature. Now, it's been uh, debauched and corrupted. You have these corrupt gurus. And, but the notion is that a teacher is essential, and therefore you should be with your teacher, and you should serve your teacher. And in exchange for the teacher teaching you, you will sweep his room, you will make his meals. And this idea that you don't know, and someone knows better, and therefore you should be with someone who knows better, and that person will teach you, and therefore you'll become better, and perhaps one day you will become a guru. I find that idea of putting the teacher at the center of a society um, very important. And you don't have that, for example, in uh, certainly in the U.S., um, where teachers, elementary and high school, are very poorly paid, and it's held to be sort of not a great profession, which to me is is a howling outrage, because... we are formed by our parents, of course, but our parents can only do so much. And after that, we're formed by our teachers. And if we don't value our teachers, that's essentially meaning we're not valuing our children's education. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.